Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Special. Hey, hello. Hey, Derek. Last show of 2023. Yes. Yes, it is. I forgot Woot-woot. about that. Yeah. Right? It's the last one for this year. Almost New Year's. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. And uh, I haven't worked much since last time we recorded because Christmas and all that, all the holidays. Yeah. Did you get anything good? Uh, I didn't. I well, I wouldn't say I didn't. I got uh, family. Got, we we we're try, Everybody's trying to cut back on on gift giving, right? So yeah. it's uh, the message is make sure it's meaningful. Don't buy a lot. Apparently, I'm the only one practicing that in my house. <laughs> don't buy anything for anybody, and hopefully, they do the same. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't work that way. Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it was it was nice. It was nice to gather with family again and. And like there was what a few years where we didn't gather because of COVID and stuff. So yep. it's nice to be able to pretend that COVID doesn't exist and gather together. And <laughs> yeah, that no, was a good time. Yeah. You, you didn't get anything outdoors related. I didn't. I have to think. I don't think I did. You got books, which I don't know books. why. <laughs> Shush. Do you, do you have a new bookshelf to weigh down? <laughs> <laughs> well, I started. You know the. Uh, Shoot. If you say you started reading a book, I'm turning this off right now, calling you a liar and going home. <laughs> or are you kicking you out because this is my home? <laughs> I did start reading a book, uh, Hatfield. So oh, okay. He, so he... Chris Hatfield. Yes. Yeah, so he he's on his second book now. And so I read a couple chapters of the first one and it's pretty good. But aren't they like murder mysteries or something he writes? Yes. Like who killed the astronaut on the space station or something like yes, that? something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And Siobhan's listened to them. Uh, she did an audiobook. And so she, and and I said, she, she went and got the audiobook. It's free from the library. But uh, I said, well, I have that. I have that book. She And she goes, what? You have that book? I, yep. <laughs> it's not signed or anything, but Chris, Chris Hatfield, you should, should sign my book. Anyways, uh, so I, I liked the first one. I only read about a quarter of it. But, uh, so, so you like the first quarter of it? Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> so then I bought a second one because it, it was just released before Christmas. You're going to read the second quarter of that one? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it's busy. I have a busy life. <laughs> you got a busy life. I own my own personal library <laughs> and I've read two books. <laughs> How many books are in your library? <laughs> 10,000. <000. laughs> Most of them are comics. I used to read a lot more. I, I got out of the habit because I, when I was, I was doing some training at work, and so I was doing a lot of reading. And uh, and since that training at work, I uh, I, I kind of got to hate reading. Really? Yeah. But I'm starting yeah. to slowly get back into it. Yeah, uh, you know, I used to read a lot more books, and now what I do is I listen to them in my radio on the. Yeah, yeah. Morning and back. So. I haven't done audiobooks. I, I tried it, but it just didn't stick. Siobhan yeah. listens to them, but... Yeah, some of them just, you want you want to have that book yeah. that you can maybe flip back a mm-hmm. couple of pages or something, which yeah. isn't as easy and yeah. when you're listening to it or driving. I enjoy that turning... <laughs> yeah, well, I know. I, I need a phone rest on my steering wheel of my car. <laughs> I, I need a book holder on my steering wheel. Wait a minute, let me just flip back a couple pages. Yeah. I don't know. I was reading my book and this police officer started blaring lights in my back window. Totally interrupted where I was. <laughs> I How rude. So rude. <laughs> just go around. Uh, so you don't think you got anything else, like anything outdoor related? No, I know I didn't get anything outdoor related. What about the kids? 
Outdoor related? Yeah. No. Beckett got, uh, I got them some weird musical thing. It's like, uh, it's like a musical metal ball thing where you tap it with the, the stick. I can't remember what it's called. A musical metal ball yeah. thing. Yeah. Drum? It's not a drum. But round? It, it is round. It sounds really cool. Like, the kids have been playing with it. It's, it's like, shockingly loud, too. So it's like, when they get playing with it, it's like, oh, my God, I can't hear myself think. <laughs> but, well, you're the one that bought it. Yeah, yeah. You'll but, get yeah. yourself to blame. They, they got a, they, Stella got a, a few musical instruments. She's, she's uh, in a musical, musical theme right now with her. She's like, does drum line and band at school and whatnot. So it's, hey, cool. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, Beckett got a bunch of Legos, so he was all excited about that. Oh, Lego is just ridiculously I know. priced these days. <laughs> I went online. What was it? It's the, uh, well, there's a couple special ships, and they're actually quite large. And so I was looking at it, oh, I should get that for Beckett. And so I click on it, and like, doesn't matter where you buy it from, it's like $800. It's Have like, you seen any of the big Star Wars ones? Those are like 3000 or something. Right? We, there, so there's the Fairview Mall up at uh, uh, 401 and yeah. 404, something like that. We went, and there's a Lego store there. Mm. And we went in, and they had them there. <laughs> Massive. It's like... 140,000 pieces, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like hundreds yeah. of dollars yeah. for this kit. Not only that, I mean, okay, if, if you are willing to fork out that kind of money, where are you putting it? <laughs> like, we would have been eating yeah. Christmas dinner around <laughs> this Star Destroyer, yeah. right? So <laughs> and and that's, that thing, too, that, that's that part of that is what kind of, I don't know why Beckett doesn't put him on a shelf somewhere. He'll build it, tear it apart, build it again. Mm-hmm. And then it, like in six months, all those Lego bricks from that, you know, the one's a Star Wars uh, ship and one is a uh, military helicopter. Both are Lego branded Legos. And uh, in six months, they're just going to be mixed in with all the rest of the Lego. And yeah. it's like, why But remember when you used to be able to buy a set of Lego and there was a book Yep. That let you show you yeah, how to build he's got like the books. forty different yeah. things. Yeah. Oh, I see. What you mean, yeah. Yeah. You can build these things with with yeah. all these yeah. with this bucket of Legos. Yeah. Here are the thirty different things you can build. There's. I saw it the other day. There's an app for that. You lay out a bunch of Legos on the floor, and the with the app you take a photo, and it analyzes all the bits and pieces and shows you something you can build with what's there. Really? Like, oh, well, that's kind of neat. Tripping hazard for mom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Want to hear your dad swear? <laughs> yeah. lay, build this and lay it on the stairs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Followed by a thump, 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 thump as he goes down exactly. the stairs. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, what about you? What did you get for Christmas? I got stuff. Outdoor stuff? I got outdoor stuff. I got a 20 liter dry bag and it has a strap on it. So that you can just take that. It's a strap on? What? It's, yeah. It is. <laughs> there's a strap that's on, on it. it. Okay. There's a strap that's on it. Okay. <laughs> and so if you want to just take that. <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, you can just put that over your shoulder. And oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Walk away yeah. with it sort of deal. I uh, got a new dehydrator. Oh. So my Did old, your old one break? The old one was taking way yeah. too much. 
This should take eight hours to dehydrate. <laughs> Twenty-four hours later, <laughs> not even close. <laughs> not even close. Is jerky supposed to be mooing? <laughs> this is just a flavored moo. Uh, so yeah, we got a, got a new five trays. This one's got because t- my old one was just American Harvest. Yeah, yeah. You just flip the switch on. Yeah, you flip the switch off. There was mm-hmm. nothing else. Yeah. This has got like a dial for temperatures. Is it round, square, a rectangle? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you can. There's a herb tray. Oh, okay. So you can um, dehydrate herbs and stuff like that. There's that typical fruit roll-up tray. Oh, okay, yeah, so yeah, you yeah, can yeah, do yeah. Fruit roll-ups yeah. and stuff, and so hmm. yeah, that'll be uh, definitely something new to try. We've been thinking of getting a new one, but we've also we uh, Siobhan went to a Christmas market or something. It was like just for Christmas. It was you know it was just for Christmas. Yeah. This market outdoor, like a yard sale or uh, whatever. And uh, she got some uh, freeze-dried gummy worms, and, it, you know, they get all puffy. Yep. And it's like, oh, you know, I've always been wanting to get one of those freeze dryers. We've talked about those freeze dryers, but... It's, they're just so expensive. Yeah. Yeah. But... You need, like, five people to go in on one. I know, right? And then yeah. you get it for a couple of months, you get it for a couple of months. Yeah. <laughs> I'd still have to, I still need a dehydrator, and uh, because I still want to make jerky. Yeah. Because my, I, I think you remember my de- my dehydrator, it broke, it died, and uh, and I keep I keep looking for a duplicate of it because I bought all the extra trays. So right. it's like I want kind of want the same one again so I can have all these extra trays. But uh, yeah, I haven't haven't. It's I think that's an American Harvest. Are they round the round trays? The round trays, yeah. I'll show you the one I got upstairs. Yeah, yeah. Let me know because I got a good deal on a four-day jerky uh, dehydrator for you. <laughs> yes. It only takes four days. <laughs> only takes four days, but it's the best four-day jerky. Uh, I got a monocular. Oh, okay. Like a so spotting of, scope. Yeah. It's basically like a spotting scope. So you could be the spotter for a sniper. Right? <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I never carry, I don't want to ever carry a set of binoculars. Cause, but a monocular. Yeah. Um, fit, it fits better in my camera bag and stuff. Okay, you can just pull it out quickly and do a little yeah, spot yeah, yeah. around, and it's in it's more for when you come onto a lake and you can do a quick zoom around to see. No, I can see there's somebody on that site yeah, way yeah. over there. Somebody's on that site way over there. So why waste time paddling way over to those sites just to have to <laughs> come on back or. Um, is that a moose over there? That's or what is that I'd just be using a rock. For. And that's exactly why we got it, just to to do that. Yeah. And sort of scope out. Oh yeah, there's the portage way down there. Sort of, it's like a thousand foot mm-hmm. sort of view, right? There's an island site on Shibagu Lake in Algonquin, and if you stand on the north side of that island, you can look around you and you can see like I don't know five or six different marshes or like bays. Yep. And we stayed there one time and get up in the morning. It's like, oh, look, a moose. Oh, no, there's two of them. Oh, oh look over there. There's three moose over there. What? How many moose are on this lake? And I think we we saw like 11 yeah. that morning. And, I mean, with a, the with a monocular, you'd be able to actually zoom. Yeah, that is yeah, indeed yeah. a moose. You could see the flies landing on their backs. Yeah. So, yeah, so I got one of those. Um, I got a gift card to sale so I can go buy more stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that was it for yeah. outdoorsy stuff. 
Well, slinkies. You got some slinkies. Well, Not outdoorsy. Are, but. Oh, yeah, yeah, those are outdoorsy. We're not going to be taking those. The dog, <laughs> Athena, does not like the sound of a slinky, uh, and neither do the cats. <laughs> so needless to say, I'll be playing with those a lot. <laughs> they all get used to it. They have to get used to it. <laughs> I got a lot of chocolate. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And I also got a new Dungeon Master's book. You do Dungeons and play Dungeons and Dragons? I haven't played Dungeons and Dragons in years. We used to be right into it. Mm-hmm. Like, right into, like, weekend games and yeah. the whole thing, right? And I've talked about it with my daughter over time. So I've still got a whole bunch of my old books. So we were out about a month ago, and I saw this new Dungeon Master's book mm-hmm. on Dungeons and Dragons, and I'm thinking, man, like, we didn't have all this funky big books. And I've got, like... I think version one, and this is now like version five, like 30 years later yeah. sort of thing. Huh. And so she says, if you want to, thought you might want to compare the two to see yeah. the changes. Because, you know, you, you talk to people that are doing this Dungeons and Dragons nowadays. It's a and, big resurgence. Yeah, but they're talking about all these extra little things. And mm-hmm. you're just like, you guys have made it too complicated now. <laughs> so, you know, like I say, you, 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 you walk into a cavern. And there's all these trolls. What do you do? Well, I'm a wizard. I cast explosive diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> Fifty trolls all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can see playing Dungeons and Dragons with you might be irritating. <laughs> it might not be what you're used to. <laughs> what is that video game? Uh, they're playing the the one. Oh. And they, the guy yells his name. I'm totally blanking on the name right now. But there's what he just screams his name and runs in. Because <laughs> they're, they're all outside this cavern and they're, yeah. they're making their plan, plans on how to strategically oh, win, yes, win I've this. I've seen that video. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? What's his, oh, I can't remember his name because <laughs> it's, it's, it went viral. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was one of the very first videos <laughs> to ever go viral. Yeah. And, um, Oh, Leroy Jenkins! <laughs> That's it, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and he just boogies right in. And, of course, they all follow. They get slaughtered. Way to go, Leroy! Way to go! <laughs> I don't know if they ever played with him again. Yeah, that would be me. That's, you know. But <clears throat> uh, my brother and I, we play... Uh, Sometimes we'll get online and play yeah. again because he's in Ottawa and I'm here. So we get online. We chit-chat about everything. Yeah. It's cheaper than a phone call because you do it yeah, you do over it. the headphone sort of deal and you're playing yeah. a uh, Xbox game at the yeah. same time. Yeah. And we'll be playing one of these Call of Duty games or something and then it's just like, hey, watch this. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's just like, dude, what do you do? And then he goes and does something, right? <laughs> like I'm the guy that hits the jump on the motorbike and rams it into the helicopter that's trying to shoot him. <laughs> Are you dead? No. Well, I am. <laughs> just remember I saved you. Uh, I bought a dungeon, like it was a, a Dungeon Dragons game there about two years ago, thinking I'd get the kids into it, but they, they don't seem too interested. No, I'll give them a little while. Yeah, I think they yeah. need to be a little bit older. When they're teenagers, they'll, yeah. they'll go, ooh, hey, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. I used to play it as a kid. I remember me and my buddies when I was in, I don't know, grade seven or eight or something, we used to gather all the time and play Dungeons and Dragons. I still have molds that you could, they're, they're heavy-duty plastic molds, yeah. and you would uh, melt lead. 
okay. and pour them in, hmm. pour it into these molds for little characters. Oh, and then okay. you would paint with model paints. You yeah. paint your characters and stuff like that. Like that's how big yeah. we were into this. I've still got all the dice and <laughs> all these campaign <laughs> modules and yeah. all this sort of stuff. And it's, well, you know what? Why, why, why would I get rid of it? You know, yeah, it's just, yeah. it was part of my childhood sort of thing or my <laughs> teenagehood. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so one day maybe I'll just pick it up again. Oh yeah. I remember doing this. What are you doing down there? You working? Uh, yes. Rollify, rollify. <laughs> <laughs> I used to have all the dice. I don't, I haven't seen them in like 20, 30 years. Oh yeah. And everything's so expensive now. Too. Yeah. 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 You know, and there's a Warhammer game. A build uh, a store. Oh yeah, it's, yeah. It's like a, I guess it's like a military version of Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, yeah. But it's huge, and huh. there's there's a one store in you know, a strip mall around the corner here. Yeah, and it's been there for ages. Hmm. I don't know. Anyway, so that's what I got for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> On next week's Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> podcast. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Memories. <laughs> oh. But while we were um, shopping for Christmas gifts, uh, there was a couple. I went to sale because I have those two credits. Mm-hmm. Oh, if you have a, a credit... A store credit at yeah. sale, they expire. How? Why? After a certain after money. a year or something. That was my thing. It's That's money. why I never looked at it. Money doesn't expire. Because when I used, used them, the girl, uh, are they expired? What do you mean expired? It's money. Well, they, they expire. Apparently they expire. Oh, so I, I just looked at her like, wait. Hang luckily, on a sec. Neither of mine were expired. So Wow. Uh, but I had looked at... And I've been contemplating, I'm going to get the Jet Boil Flash and give it a whirl. Okay, yeah. And it was on sale. It's like 50 bucks off or something mm-hmm. right now. So I'm going to go buy one. Nobody's got them in stock right now, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay, there you go. I just That just nails that one in the... Yeah. So maybe I'll go online and order one from Jet Boil themselves. Oh, yeah, there you go. So order one of those. Yeah. Like I say, it's, it's the one with the big, like, what, liter or liter and a half, mm-hmm. whatever... Uh, Thingy, and I get the little attachment that I can put a regular pan or pot yep. on as well, and that sort of thing. So, give that one a whirl. And yeah. Do you have the little jobby jobby that you can put between <laughs> the two? Jobby jobby. Oh, just hang on. <laughs> You'll understand in a second. It's technical terms. Sorry, I'm using the Canadian technical term, the jobby jobby. So you screw it in the top of one of your fuel canisters, yeah. and then you tip the other one upside yes, down. And I've got that so, jobby jobby. So you got that jobby jobby. <laughs> so you jobby can transfer jobby. into. I I bought a kit. So there's I can take so the green the green uh, propane canister. Yep. So I've got one that converts that into whatever. I've got the one, you know, the uh looks like a spray a can, can of spray paint, but it's a butane. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. get I've converter for that. So I can I can go from all different, you know, I, I can refill the green canisters. I can take a green canister and fill a butane canister. I can take the two butane ones and you freeze one and then you put that on the bottom and, and then you put the warm one on top to push down into the, into the frozen one. So you got to flow. So I've got all the converters. So things. you, you, so you end up taking a full can in your jet boil as opposed yeah. to two half cans. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And you, you've used it. Yep. Several times. Yeah. 
Yeah. So it was that jobby jobby, not yeah. the thingamajiggy. Yeah, the, yeah. The jobby jobby. I've got the jobby jobby. Yeah. I don't. Ha- I don't have the thingamajig. Okay. I, I haven't got one wondering. of those yet. So I, I was thinking about getting one of those as well to give it a whirl. But yeah. I, we're pretty sure you had one. We just yeah. couldn't remember. But while we were there looking for jobby jobbies and jet boils, <laughs> I came across this thing, and it's so. They had this boot at the, the end of the aisle. All these little, like there's the the cheapy version of the spork. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, a couple of little beaners, like, you know, $2 beaner. Yeah. That sort of thing. Picture a roll of Mentos. Yes. But half the size. Yeah. Okay. There's little 10 round things in there that look like flat Mentos candies. Mm-hmm. So, oh. And they're called... Towel tabs. Yeah. Towel tablets. Never heard of them before. I've got them. I've had them for years. And you've been keeping this from me. Well, I don't know. I, think I just assumed everybody knew about them. No. <laughs> they're dried towels. So basically, um, not yeah, not, not a big bathing towel, like the size of a... Yeah, but you can get uh, them in the size of a bathing towel. Yeah, yeah. you're saying they're, they're huge ones too. But yeah. These ones are just the size of like a... Um, like a mento. Paper towel. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like a, a sheet yeah. of paper towel. Yeah, one right? of those select-a-size paper towels. But they're stronger. Yeah. They're biodegradable. Mm-hmm. They're reusable. Yeah. So all you do is you take out one of these tabs and you throw it in like a shot glass filled with water. Like that's how... Yeah. You don't need hardly any water at all. Yeah, it doesn't take much. Less than 10 seconds. Like yeah. I you, I dropped it in a glass of water here. Yeah. And boom. Yeah. It just expands. You squeeze out the excess water and you open it up. And it, it's like a giant towelette. Moist, yeah. moist towelette. Yeah. But you and have to supply the moist. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you're on a on a canoe trip or you're out in your kayak or something like that, yeah. you just put it in the water and boom. boom. Mm-hmm. It just, all of a sudden you got that thing, right? Uh, perfect if you want to wipe off your hands or face. Yeah. Uh, wipe off a knife after filleting a fish. You know, so you're helping not keep that fish f- yeah. smell around. Uh, wipe out the inside of a dish after making food. Yeah. Wiping your butt after a few days if you got that Bernie <laughs> butt. <laughs> I can't believe it. Yeah, you know what Bernie <laughs> butt is. Yes, of course. Yeah, I do. especially hikers, right? <laughs> if you're if you're doing a big hike sort of thing. Yep. So this would be great for people that are are uh, bike rafting. Oh, yes. You know, you're yep. riding your bike for five days and the sweat's going down the crack of your butt. <laughs> yes. And you don't have yeah. any moist towelettes, one of these babies? Yeah. yeah that'll get rid of Bernie butt for you. <laughs> uh, yeah, no holds barred on this show, buddy. <laughs> uh, but like I say, 100% biodegradable, natural pulp, no chemicals, reusable, unless, of course, you use it for Bernie <laughs> butt. <laughs> it says, warning, do not swallow. Because they expand. Well, they turn into... <laughs> this is the easiest way <laughs> to eat a face cloth. <laughs> it's going to expand in your stomach. Yes. That's probably going to po- cause some problems coming out. There would be a problem. Because if you're on a trip with buddies and you're like, yeah, you're, I'm not going to be like the cat in tinsel pulling it out. <laughs> oh, yes. you imagine? <laughs> no, I can't imagine. I've, I've done that before. I was like, the cat's oh, running wait, around. The, it's like, okay, the cat. I'm glad <laughs> the, you- <laughs> the cat. Yes, the cat. It's like, what's that hanging from the cat? Oh, my God. There's tinsel, tinsel. coming out of his butt. Yeah. Grab the tinsel. <laughs> hey, buddy, what's that hanging out of your butt? Come here. Is that a paper towel? <laughs> for a roll of 10 tabs. Great if you have little kids on a trip. Mm -hmm. Or like I say, I I, probably use this for like a a cleanup. Yeah. 
you know, just like I say. I keep them in the glove box. I, I've got some in my camping first aid kit. Mm-hmm. It, it's just one of those handy things. I've always got one of those first things. First aid that kit would be good. Yes. Because yeah. it's good to, let's wipe that, get it wet, and you got a yeah, cloth to wipe exactly. off. Dirt and garbage and like And they're that. cheap, and so you don't mind, uh, you no. know. Yeah. So it's. 250 for 10 of them. Yeah. That's like a quarter each, <laughs> yes. if my math is incorrect. <laughs> Uh, Tau Tabs, T-O-W-T-A-B-S dot com. Yeah. Uh, give that a whirl. Moist Tau Check it out. Yeah, these. Yeah. I just, I've, I've never seen these, and it's just like, hey, that's pretty cool. They're so, pretty neat. Saw that at uh, sale when we were looking for more expensive things. <laughs> I went in to spend 200 bucks. I spent 250 There you go. That's <laughs> <sighs> not how it's supposed to work. So did you, did you use your uh, whatever money things? For sale, yeah, because I bought a few okay. other things as well. So I was wondering, was like, did you if you didn't if you didn't have the uh, didn't get the stove you wanted, then that means that now it's getting closer to expiring. Expiring. Hey, my yeah. money is expiring. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I'd be. Just imagine if you like got a fiver out and there yeah. was an expiration date on it. <laughs> well, can you imagine? You go in there, you get yourself a, a winter bag, and it's like, oh, wait, no, this winter bag isn't the one I wanted. And, uh, well, we don't have a replacement, so, okay, well, I'll take store credit. Well, $800,000 sleeping bag, right? and, and your your $1,000 is expired. How long are they good for? I think store a year credit. or something. Just a year? Year, two wow. years, I don't know. I didn't wow. ask. I was just taken aback at the point that they expire. Yeah. My, how does my money expire? Spend them, then. <laughs> Had I known that, I would have used those before I used the half-used credit or uh, gift, gift cards. cards. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. Take the store credit uh, and buy a gift card. Yeah. Oh, I never even <laughs> thought of that. I wonder. I probably could have done that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'd like to put the rest of it on a gift card. Then, there please. you go. <laughs> Some people. Where were you? <laughs> Thanks, pal. Probably at home trying to pull one of these out of your butt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Athens, Georgia. Let's go way down there just to shift gears. Uh, Athens, Georgian-based Georgia Rivers Network, organizing an opposition to legislation expected to be under consideration in the next session that starts next month. Lawmakers are looking at measures, uh, the uh, uh, looking at a measure the Rivers Network says could curtail the freedom to fish and recreate on Georgia's rivers and streams if adopted. Many streams that boaters regularly float and fish could be classified as non-navigable. How would they, why Why would they do that? Does this story explain? I haven't read this thing that you... Yeah. Read. Recent recommendations made by the Georgia House of Representatives Study Committee have raised concerns among the state's river enthusiasts who say that if acted upon by a full legislator, the recommendations could greatly curtail Georgians' long-standing freedom to recreate on Georgia's rivers and streams. Tasked with clarifying where Georgians can legally fish on the state's freshwater streams, the House Study Committee on Fishing Access to Freshwater Resources issued recommendations in November calling on the state to determine and delineate the navigability of each of Georgia's rivers and streams based on a restrictive definition of navigability that dates to 1863 and is geared towards supporting barge traffic, not paddling. Hmm. This process can conflate navigability, which determines the ownership of the river bottom and the common law right of passage, which entitles the public to travel any waterway that will float a boat. 
Yeah, because I mean, if if you say, well, that's not navigable because you can't get a barge down it. Yeah. Then people have to stay off of it. Well, you might not be able to get a barge down it, but you can get a paddleboard down it, or, yeah, or, or, or a kayak, or a canoe, canoe, or that sort of thing, right? Like, there's, there's so. I don't understand the way Americans work. It's uh, like the the navigability navigability act or whatever it is that we have. What is it called? Like what Scotland has free to roam. Their their thing is free to roam, and us it's the navigable waterways waterways act. act. And it, for them to shut down use of public waterways, it's like as it is, there's enough people, you know, random people taking pot shots at canoers and kayakers all the time. Hey, it's like, hey, I'm on the water. We saw a video of that just to go left field for a second yep. there. And somebody was taking shots because dude was standing, standing, yeah, not in his kayak. He was walking yeah. up and because... And he had the, the, the comments with the guy saying, you don't own this. And he own the creek bed, mm-hmm. not the water. As long as you were in your kayak, if you were had, good. Exactly. But the minute you got out of your kayak and stood mm-hmm. on the ground. Yep. You've now trespassing. Huh. And dude was, I, I didn't see them firing shots at. No, I think they fired they a fired shot into in the, the air. Right. Yeah. But Just still their attention. Freaked, freaked out the fishermen. It's like, yeah. whoa, did you just shoot at me? Yeah. You're on my land. So many of Georgia's streams that boaters regularly float and fish could be deemed non-navigable under the committee's recommended definition ranging from popular whitewater runs in North Georgia to peaceful backwater streams uh, in South Georgia. Even popular paddling destinations on portions of the Chattahoochee, Chastity, and Etowah rivers could be at risk along with nearly all mountain rivers and small and medium-sized streams throughout the state. That's a lot of rivers, which all of a sudden, does like it, popular destinations. Does that, it mention any, like, businesses? Like, what is there any, uh, like, whitewater or, or like, uh, rafting companies that are going to be affected by this? Oh, there would be. Definitely would be. Can you imagine? Uh, rate of passage has been enshrined in Georgia law since the 1800s, says Dan McIntyre, an attorney and Georgian, Georgia Canoeing Association River Protection Committee chair. The public has a right of passage on Georgia's streams that is separate from other public recreation rights like fishing, uh, which more directly hinge on navigability findings. But that distinction has not always been recognized by courts and is absent in the committee's report. So they're saying paddlers and fishermen and everything, they're lumping all recreationalists Mm -hmm. together. And you, you can't do that. No, you can't. Since Georgia's inception, when our streams were the state's highways, we have enjoyed a long-established right to pass down these waterways in boats of all sizes. In trying to clarify fishing access, the study committee is using an outdated law to define navigability based on land ownership and freight that ignores the way we use Georgia waterways today for recreation. Yeah. Um, There is both Georgia and legal precedent and more modern pleasure craft tests in neighboring states that take recreation into consideration that would be more appropriate legal test than navigability. River enthusiasts point to North Carolina and South Carolina where state laws evolved from a similar origin as Georgia's to protect public boating use today. In both states, citizens have the right to travel by pleasure craft, including canoes and kayaks, on any water that will float such vessels. Yeah. Which is the way it should be. I mean, it makes sense. We got rivers down here that, oh yeah, you know, 
it's high water. We rarely see high water on this. Let's go explore. Yeah. Well, now all of a sudden we can't do that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, where, where's the sense in that? You know, you're 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 wanting people to get out and do stuff. Then you're going to cut them off at the knees. And there's way too many people with guns down there that uh, get off my yeah. land. This system has worked extremely well to support both a robust river recreation economy and culture, as well as private property rights, with a relatively clear delineation between the two, says Kevin Colburn, National Stewardship Director of the American Whitewater. The right of passage on Georgia streams was established by the Georgia Supreme Court in 1849 when it determined that the public could travel down any water that supported passage, regardless of any navigability test involving freight. Hmm. Again, they're saying, well, if you can't float a barge, then you you can't navigate it. it, So, But since the uh, codification of the definition of navigability in 1863, look how old these laws are. I know, like update it. Rights of passage have been conflated with navigability. In 1997, the Georgia Supreme Court ruled that canoeists did not have the right to pass down uh, Armachi Creek in Chattooga and Floyd counties because the court deemed it not a navigable stream. Hmm. The impact of the Georgia outdoor recreation economy, quality of life, and public health impacts of the committee's recommendations and resulting recreational losses could be staggering. Georgia River Network estimates that there are some 1 million paddlers in Georgia. Those paddlers support more than 70 small businesses that provide canoe, kayak, paddleboard, raft, and tube rentals and guide services on the state's rivers. U.S. Bureau of Economic Analysis estimates that boating and fishing on the state's waterways contributed 762.7 million of added value to Georgia's economy in 2021. Hmm. So you're just going to toss all that toss money aside. All yeah. Sorry. Bye-bye. I assume they're going to... I can't I can't see this passing that they would make it non-navigable. Well, that's what they're they're saying. They're, people are starting to get uh, their ducks in a row to, yeah. to oppose this. General Assembly should act to protect the public's right to fish, but they also must protect the public's right to enjoy traveling the state's rivers by boat, says Rena Ann Peck, Georgia River Network Executive Director. We have a robust culture of boating on Georgia's rivers and streams. We need to continue to build that river recreation economy, not take it away from our citizens and ecotourism industry. The Georgia River Network, American Whitewater, American Canoe Association, and Georgia Canoeing Associations are encouraging Jordans to communicate with their local legislators about this issue. Uh, Individuals can contact their legislators legislators via email action alert at protectgeorgia.org slash pound sign slash 393. Easy to find. Right? (laughs) So they, they, they have these different groups here. The Georgia River Network, a statewide nonprofit river recreation conservation group with a mission to connect people with the, with, um, and protect Georgia's rivers. American Whitewater, a national nonprofit river conservation organization with the mission to protect and restore America's whitewater rivers. American Canoe Association. Now, Ameri- the ACA is like our uh, Paddle Canada, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a national nonprofit organization that serves the broader paddling public by providing 
educational programs, support stewardship initiatives that affect battlers and offering competition opportunities for athletes of all abilities. And the Georgia Canoeing Association is a non-profit organization that promotes public river access, boating safety, and canoeing and kayaking opportunities across the state. So they're the ones that are fighting to have mm-hmm. this stopped before it uh, yeah, yeah, comes yeah. into effect. So. It doesn't seem like a smart thing to do. It's No, so if you're in Georgia, you might want to uh, check that out before some politicians jump on in and think they should yep. be doing what they think they should be doing. Exactly. Messing things up for people. Now, you, this next thing we're talking about, you said you've seen stuff on this before, and it's pretty cool, I'm, I'm thinking, like, yes. if you were yeah. to do it. Uh, Dave Dykstra in Siren, Wisconsin, has been ricing for more than 65 years. He learned his harvesting and fin- finishing techniques from a member of the Jibwe tribe that he was, uh, when he was growing up in Danbury, Wisconsin. They've been there have been wars among the Native American tribes for access to this resource. Extra says the Chippewa and the Jibwe chase the Lakota out of here to get the rice. The rice Dykstra is referring to isn't the white rice or even the wild rice most people see in stores. That's what we call paddy rice, he says. Wild rice is called munamin uh, rice by the Chippewa tribe. That means good berry. It also means food that grows in water. And I saw pictures of this, and they're actually in their canoes, in these rice yep. patties. Uh, and the way they do it is is pretty neat because they end up with a, a canoe filled with rice. Yeah, it, which yeah. is neat. Uh, the Manumin rice grows wild in lakes with moving water, meaning they are fed by rivers or springs. The wild rice in Dykstra's area is a non-shattering rice. The seeds in the very top of the plant ripen first, then seeds farther down ripen later on. Plants bearing wild rice can be harvested several times over the season and still produce the seeds. They're still produced because the seeds don't ripen all at once. In shattering rice, on the other hand, the seeds all ripen at once and have to be harvested immediately. So this stuff here, non-shattering, they can do a harvest, get all the rice, yeah. and then later on do a second harvest. Yeah, exactly. And get more, right? Harvesting wild rice requires a non-motorized boat, most often canoe because it can float between the rice plants and a motorized boat would damage them. Pole to pull the canoe through the water and a set of lightweight cedar sticks that are 36 inches long and tapered. The sticks are used to knock the seeds from the plant into the canoe. When I, The one I saw, the guy had these long, they look like giant drumsticks. Yes. So And they just keep whacking the two of them together and all the, like they, they bend the rice over top the canoe. Yep. And then they hit with these sticks and all the rice falls. You're just kind of whacking the, the little yeah. rice off in, into the bottom of the canoe. And, yep. and you see, like the, in the one that I saw, it was, uh, it talked about the, uh, this wild rice. And, uh, they just, like one guy was navigating the boat with a pole and yep. pushing through the, the tall rice grass. And the other guy was like, he took us, he would take a stick and pull the rice over the canoe. And while he's, holding it over the canoe the other stick would he'd whack 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 the rice the rice would fall in he you're not you're not going to start a business doing this is it's not no. like a, but it's enough to feed a family or feed a village and so on right mm-hmm. wild rice is not a grain it's basically grass seed you bend the rice over the canoe so the heads of the rice are in the canoe 
As the seeds fall, those that miss the canoe land back in the lake lying dormant anywhere from two years on up to ten years until the conditions are just right for the plant to germinate. There you go. Uh, one day you'll have to take uh, you'll have a lake with no rice, and then soon it will be filled with rice because the conditions were right and it reseeds itself. So, yeah, so something that, you know, you all of a sudden you think, oh, there's no more rice there. And all of a sudden the next year, you're back up yeah, there yeah, again, right? Yeah, And the, in, the, did, in the the video that you saw, did it show the whole village come together to make the rice? No, no, it was just him just... It was really neat. It was like they lay out these giant uh, hides and they, or tarps or whatever. And then it, it was really neat the way the village came together during rice harvest season to uh, to harvest the rice and, you know, stow, stow it for winter storage and next mm-hmm. year's store use. And well, this, this guy that was doing is just doing it for himself. Yeah. Right? Uh, he... He reuses small corn bags that typically hold about 30 pounds of rice. The amount can vary day to day depending on the condition of the rice. His record is 300 pounds in one day. Wow. Average over the over the years is around 50 pounds a day. The journey of that rice doesn't stop once it lands in the canoe. He says, I tend to finish it within 48 hours of harvesting in order to be stored for long periods of time. But first, the seeds need to be dried so they can be separated from the hulls. We call it parching. You use uh, you used to put it in a, ba- a big cast iron pot over a fire and stir the rice with a wooden paddle until it gets dry. Then you would dig a pit in the ground and line it with deer skin and wear moccasins and basically dance on it. The dancing or swiveling motion would break the hull off the rice and they would then be thrown into the air to separate it physically, something Dijkstra says was an itchy, dirty process. Now, we've seen, I've seen stuff on National Geographic and that from other co- uh, cultures that do the same sort of thing, tossing it up, like even wheat and stuff like that, right? Tossing it up, the, the wind blows the hull away, and then you're left with just the, the rice. Yeah, yeah. He has used ingenuity to develop his own finishing tools and processes over the year. It still takes a lot of work and reduces the but reduces the itchy and dirty part. <laughs> After finishing the rice, uh, it can be frozen, but Dijkstra prefer, prefers storing it in airtight containers. I think I've got some from 10 years ago that's still edible, he says. Well. At, at the height of his ricing days, Dave said his kids used to moan about having wild rice at yet another meal. <laughs> now they come home and ask if I've got a couple of bags. Wild rice. So if, if you were, and this is my thing, if you were on a really long trip, if you've got some wild rice, you harvested wild rice, and then you found a cranberry bog and harvested some ah. of those, then you happened to shoot yourself a turkey. <laughs> And if you came across some grapes about three months prior, you had, that was enough time to ferment it into a wine. <laughs> so if you were on a really long trip, yeah, yeah, just from stuff you got in the wild, you could have <laughs> wild rice, cranberry sauce, turkey, yeah. and wine for dinner. Yeah, Thanksgiving night, dinner, right? <laughs> wow. There's uh there's also National Film Board of Canada has a wild rice harvesting uh, video. What's it called? Wild Rice Harvest Knora on by, the by Alanis Umbosuen. I'll believe you. <laughs> it's it's right here, National Film Board of Canada. Okay. Wild Rice Harvest Knora? Yeah. Check that out. Go to the Paddling mm-hmm. Film Board of Canada. 
It's a black and white video. So it must be from a while ago then. Yeah, it's an old uh yeah, it's an old uh, uh National Film Board video. Back when but they used to make was, lots of them. Yeah, I thought that was kind of uh neat just to It is. It's super guys out in canoes and yeah. so yeah, I'm thinking I'm gonna maybe <laughs> Why not if I'm out yeah, there? Yeah. See some rice, uh, wild rice there, you know. Exactly. Like right? it'd be really neat to scoop some to up. Make make your own yeah. make a little bit. Yeah. Everybody else says, Oh, I'm getting mushrooms, not me. <laughs> Rice. <laughs> we're all going we're all going to the forest to get the mushrooms. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you gotta go get your mushrooms, you amateurs. I'm in out in the water, I'm gonna get me some rice. Imagine right? me, you send everybody out, you get mushrooms, I'll get rice. You know, somebody uh slingshots a squirrel and we'll have a nice meal together. Well any of the game fish we catch mm-hmm. like trout, yep. bass. Can any of that be eaten raw? Because if you got I your if you got know. your rice yeah. and your fish, you could be doing yourself some sushi. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, the, the, it's just endless. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah, yeah. The possibilities are endless. <laughs> I don't. I've never heard of anybody doing the the sushi or sashimi thing with bass and trout and all that. I don't know if you can. I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't trust it either. Might be wormy or something. I don't know. Yeah. Mm. I have to well, Google that. salmon. Yeah, but how many times do you catch a salmon in Algonquin Park? Never. <laughs> yeah. But the minute you do. Exactly. Sushi. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be getting us some rice, and we're having sushi tonight, baby. Oh. From there, <laughs> when you think of the Amazon, you think a lot of water, don't you? I do. It's, Yeah. The Amazon rainforest is experienced its worst drought on record in 2023. Many villages have become unreachable by uh, unreachable by river. Wildfires have been raging, and wildlife has been dying. Scientists worry events like these are a sign that the world's biggest forest is fast approaching a point of no return. Because that's what you think. Like you see the the Amazon River and so. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, right. So there's a reporter from the BBC was down there and doing some research and stuff and met up with one guy there. And he says, uh, as the cracked and baking river bank towers up on either side, Oliveira Tikuna is starting to have doubts about his journey. He's trying to get to his village in a metal canoe built to navigate the smallest creeks of the Amazon. So a lot of little tributaries come yeah, in and out, yeah. and feed the Amazon, you know. Uh, Bom Jesus de Igapo Grande is a community of 40 families in the middle of the forest and has been badly affected by the worst drought recorded in the region. There was no water to shower. Bananas, cassava, and chestnut crops spoil because they can't get to the city fast enough. Mm -hmm. Uh, The head of the village, Oliveira's father, warned anyone elderly or unwell to move closer to town because they are dangerously far from a hospital. So it's the point where you can't just jump in your boat and zip across to the, you know, to town to the hospital because there's problems. Oliveira wanted to show us what was happening. He warned it would be a long trip. But as we turn from the broad Salimos River into a creek that winds towards his village, even he is taken aback. In parts, it's reduced to a trickle no more than a meter wide. Before long, the boat is lodged on the riverbed. It's time to get out and pull. He says, I'm 49 years old. We've never seen anything like this before. 
I've never even heard of a drought as bad as this. Oh, really? After three hours of trudging up the drying stream, we give up and turn back. If it dries out any more than that, my family would be isolated here, he says. To get in or out, they'll have to walk across a lake bed on the other side of the village, but that's dangerous as there are snakes and alligators there. Uh, the rainy season in the Amazon should have started in October, but it was still dry and hot until late November, and this is the effect of the cyclical El Nino weather pattern amplified by climate change. El Nino causes the warm water of the Pacific Ocean, which pushes heated air over the Americas. This year, the water in North Atlantic has also been abnormally warm, and hot, dry air has enveloped the Amazon. So we're talking like these little streams that people go up and down, like yeah, navigable like, streams, like a, like you know the road through our neighborhood sort of thing. <laughs> yes, yeah, and they can't even get back to their own homes now because there's hmm. no water. Uh, when it was my first drought, I thought, wow, this is awful. How can this happen to a rainforest? Says uh, Fl Flavia Costa, a plant ecologist at the National Institute for Amazonian Research, who has been living and working in the rainforest for 26 years. Then, year after year, it was record-breaking. Each drought was stronger than before. She says it's too soon to assess how much damage this year's drought has done, but her team has found many plants showing signs of being dead. So they're, yeah, I mean, you're you're starting to lose all that forest and plants that are on the ground floor and all that sort of stuff. That's, that's an issue. Yeah, exactly, right? Past dry seasons give an indication of the harm that could be done. By some estimates, the 2015 Godzilla drought killed 2.5 billion trees and plants in just one small part of the forest. Wow. Yeah. When they start putting the numbers out, it mm -hmm. really... It gives you an idea yeah. of the size, the gravity of the situation. Uh, it was less severe than this latest drought. So the one in 2015, which people were just like, wow, mm -hmm. nothing compared to what's going now. Yeah. On average, the Amazon stopped functioning as a carbon sink. And we mostly expect the same now, which is sad. As well as being home to a stunning array of biodiversity, the Amazon is estimated to store around 150 billion tons of carbon. That's why we need the trees. Yeah. You know, absorb the, the carbon. to absorb the carbon and as well as you know, oxygen yeah. and stuff like that. Many scientists fear the forest is racing towards a theoretical tipping point, a point where it dries, breaks apart, and becomes a savanna. As it stands, the Amazon creates a weather system of its own. In the vast rainforest, water evaporates from the trees to form clouds, which travel over the tree canopy, recycling this moisture five or six times. This keeps the forest cool and hydrated, feeding in the water it needs to sustain life. Now, you learned about that in like grade five science. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Crying out loud. If swaths of the forest die, that mechanism could be broken. And once this happened, there may be no going back. Uh, Brazilian climatologist Carlos Nobre first put forward his theory in 2018. The paper he co-authored says that the Amazon is deforested by 25%. The global temperature hits between 2 degrees Celsius and 2.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels. That tipping point will be hit. Currently, 17% 
of the Amazon has been deforested, so we're not 25% yet. And the global temperature is 1.1 to 1.2 Celsius above pre-industrialized levels. So we're about halfway to what he says will be a tipping point. Uh, but Dr. Nobre finds some hope in the fact that deforestation fell in all countries of the Amazon this year and that all are committed to getting it to zero by 2030. He believes Brazil can get there even sooner. Brazil's a big, big country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not all scientists agree the forest will be transformed completely if Dr. Nobre's tipping point conditions occur. Dr. Flavia Costa's research indicates that part of the forest will survive, particularly those with easy access to groundwater, such as valleys. Yeah, um, if they got water still, then yeah, they'll, they'll survive a bit longer. When the forest is dry, small fires set to clear land for planting crops burn out of control. Usually they burn in already degraded and deforested parts of the Amazon, but this year has seen more fires in untouched or primary forest. And there are other signs that the ecosystem is struggling. In two lakes in the region, hundreds of dolphins have been found dead. Oh, yeah? Yep. It was just devastating. Uh, says Dr. Miriam Marmontel uh, from the Mamariua Institute for Sustainability, so, Sustainable Development. We were dealing with live animals, beautiful specimens, then five days later we had 70 carcasses. In a matter of weeks, they found 276 dead dolphins. She believes that the temperature of the water is killing them. It reached 40.9 Celsius in places, nearly 4 degrees Higher than dolphin and human body temperature. It's it's, it's yeah. I, I'm looking for I'm I'm. I did some googling for uh, drought in the Amazon, and it's uh, it's staggering the how dry it is this time. Is they're saying that there there there's occasional extreme droughts in the Amazon, and they give they say that it was periodic. But in mm-hmm. the last couple of decades, it's becoming more and more common every couple of years. Before, it was like, you know, 1912, 1925, then 1983. And now suddenly it's like every second year type thing. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Like I say, there is the regular climate, yep. cyclical things that exactly. happen. Exactly. But there's, it's changing. Yeah. You know? In her 30 years of living in the Amazon, Dr. Marmontel never imagined she would see it so dry. She is shocked by how quickly the climate is changing. We always say these animals are sentinels because they feel first what's going to come to us. It's happening to them. It's going to happen to us. It's like the canary in the mine shaft, right? Yep, yep. For Oliveira too, this year has been a wake-up call. We know that we are much to blame, very much to blame for this. We haven't been paying attention. We haven't been defending our Mother Earth. She is screaming for help, he says. It's time to defend her. Huh. It's all the money down there. Everybody wants what's what well, it's got, and it, too, right? Exactly. So they're deforesting, they're yep. burning, they're need croplands. Uh, they need the wood. Yeah. They need this. It's like so. It, it's it's funny. It's like well, you know, at the detriment of all humanity, are we going to allow people to continue to deforest the Amazon? And you know, it, it's just uh, it's one of those things. Everybody goes, well, you can't stop business. People need to feed their families. It's like. I don't know. Like Mother Nature tried to fix things by bringing along COVID, but uh, well, that didn't work. Right. 
<laughs> we need Thanos to snap his fingers. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know, it is a vicious circle too because you got these these people down there that logging feeds their families. Exactly. Yeah. And if they stop it, you got all these families with no income. Yeah. There's it's not they're not a first world country where they can just they go move on to something yeah, else. Yeah, I'm going to become a janitor at McDonald's. Mm-hmm. It, it's just not there for that's yeah. just not the option. So the cause of what what do you do? It's a tough situation. It is. <laughs> uh, end this on a happier note. Buchanan, Michigan. They've received a $230,000 grant award from the Michigan DNR Natural Resources Trust Fund for the implementation of a kayak launch at Riverfront Park along the St. Joseph River. It's going to cost that much to create a kayak launch? They can use it towards it. Hmm. The funding comes as the city nears the completion of Buchanan St. Joseph Riverfront Master Planning Project, which was funded by the American Electric Power Foundation. City of Buchanan is thrilled to receive this funding to implement the first piece of our vision of an improved and more accessible Buchanan Riverfront Park, Community Development Director Richard Murphy says. We know that reconnecting more people to the water will deliver more health, quality of life, and economic benefits to our community and the region. And according to the grant application, the project will include the development of a ADA-accessible kayak launch at Riverfront Park in Buchanan. Kayak launch will be designed to meet community needs as the new park amenity will be appropriate in scale for the level of anticipated use. Project design will also consider practices with minimal impact on the natural features at the project site by placing the proposed kayak launch in the least environmentally sensitive area of the park. To ensure launch kayak uh, kayak launch design meets the ADA standards, Murphy said the city discussed the project with the Disability Network Southwest Michigan and Be Healthy Berrien. He said the project design will go beyond ADA standards and incorporate principles of universal design by ensuring the kayak launch will be usable by all people. Many Rust Belt cities and towns across Michigan forgot about their strong ties to the water when the jobs left and economics got tough, Murphy said. Part of our economic comeback is to reconnect to this water culture. It's who we are. Water is the reason Buchanan exists. So getting back to our essence is our path forward. So if you were to hop in Buchanan, if you were to hop onto the St. Jacobs River, or St. Joseph's River, Mm -hmm. you could get all the way to Lake Michigan. You could paddle all the way up to Lake Michigan. Isn't it funny that uh, Michigan is creating better and easier ways for people to get on the water, Mm -hmm. and Georgia's taking the step to preventing people from getting on the water? Totally opposite politics, right? (laughs) It's like, what's going on? (laughs) <laughs> Master plan process is nearing completion with a final public meeting to be scheduled in January. Murphy said the city would continue to engage with community stakeholders, including the Pokagon Band and Community Disability Networks, as the project approaches design and implementation. We are so happy and thankful to see our Michigan DNR partners support our vision with this large investment in Buchanan, Dennison said. This is an investment in future generations. I applaud the continued hard work and passion of the city staff and Buchanan citizens working together to reel in these competitive grant awards in order to make Buchanan a better place. 
Well, that's 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 pretty amazing that they're taking these steps to uh, and. I find, well, I guess, you know, things cost a lot of money these days, but $230,000 to create a, a kayak launch. Well, you got to think the launch and parking to get yeah. to it, accessibility to get to it, because it's, it's a all, ex, all access. Yeah, so it's accessibility. Right? and For Disabled paddlers, yeah, yeah, everything, yeah. right? So, I mean, I just look at when, when, when John and I went a couple weekends ago. It's last weekend? Hmm. Last weekend we went yeah. paddling. And the... The parking lot at the launch was closed for the season, <laughs> and we had to take our kayaks. But yeah, no, make that road and make a parking lot, and yeah, yeah that all costs. Yeah, you, you wouldn't think two hundred, or you, you wouldn't think two hundred and thirty is way. You'd think that's you'd more think than it's enough. more than enough. Yeah, but when you start chip, chip away in yeah. the little bits, there's the engineering and some permits and some yeah. this and that. Probably a couple of feasibility studies yeah, exactly. for the environment yeah. and that sort of thing all in there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 230 probably goes pretty quick. Yeah. So, huh. so yeah, if you are in Buchanan, Michigan or anywhere around there, then, uh, yeah, you might be in luck. Because I know around here, we're all, like, I'm on some Facebook groups and stuff like that and Hey, uh, does anybody know if there's a kayak launch here? Or how about there? Yeah, exactly. I, yeah. If I want to yeah. launch my canoe up here and hit this river, does anybody know a good place to launch? And mm-hmm. so, so launches like this are always, always needed. Exactly. And yeah. Right. So awesome. And but not needed if uh, you're going to live in Georgia. Yeah. Apparently. <laughs> yeah, they won't be getting anything soon. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 funny to see the the way that one state treats it and then compare it to another state. It's it's I don't know. I'll have to look to see what kind of paddling culture is in Georgia. But uh, I I don't think I think somebody will have to step up and make a comment yeah. first. Going, yeah, you know, we got to change some wordage here. here. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, hmm. um, that's all I've got. That's all I have. Wow. Almost 2024. I know. It's getting there. And so you're, I was just going to say, what are your plans for New Year's? But I guess you're going to be up at Mew Lake. Yeah. I'm heading up to Algonquin to do some not so winter camping. <laughs> All the pictures I've seen have been rain. Yeah, I know. You know, yeah. I mean, we're used to like a, a couple of feet of snow by mm-hmm. this point and it looks well, like that's not going to happen. There's record high temperatures. Like there, there's uh, recorded temperatures. In this area, it's the it's breaking records for hot temp- high yeah, high temperatures. So yeah, I'm I'm seriously thinking about throwing the dry suit in the truck and yeah. the canoe on top. Go and I've sent out a couple of messages to people going like, "What's the ice conditions up there?" Yeah, because if I can get out for a New Year's Day paddle, <laughs> exactly, then, I, yeah. then I'm doing it. And depending on how weather goes, you know, maybe Family Day weekend in February, you'd be able to paddle as well, right? Year-round paddling. Year-round There paddling. is no hard well, water if I season. Do, if I do January 1st, like a New Year's Day paddle, mm-hmm. then February, March, I need three more months. Three more months to, to, to do, do 12, months, 12 months of paddling. Do it, man. Do it. <sighs> Good times, baby. Yeah, Good yeah. times. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll see you in 2024. Yes.
Yeah. yeah. Enjoy your camping trip. Yeah, you enjoy your lounging around the house and <laughs> relaxing. We're probably going to do some like, – the kids got some new board games and and uh, and stuff like that. There's Plus, we have an escape room game. and So we're probably going to have do something fun on on New Year's Eve with kids. And- escape room. Is that where you lock the kids in the closet <laughs> and say, get out of there, you little bugger? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we used to play that game. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we want to have a contest. See who can keep quiet the longest. Yeah, yeah. Okay, hide in the closet, but see who can hide the longest. Can, exactly. <laughs> Where's mom and dad? They went out for dinner. <laughs> oh, man. If you want to find out more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can download or stream all our episodes on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Player FM, and all your favorite podcast downloading sites. Or you can go to the episode page at paddlingadventuresradio.com, and you can stream or download all our episodes there. And if you enjoy the podcast, please share it with your friends, family, and fellow paddlers. And one last thing, I want to thank all our listeners for yes. supporting us in 2023. and Look forward to seeing look, you in 2024. Exactly. I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time. <laughs>